0: Remember when you were little and your mom would say, you just wait until dad comes home? Remember that, dad? So <laughs> I, mom used to I say never about you it, at least. But, uh, yeah, I, I know.
1: I know that's what mom would say. <laughs> but she did take care of the discipline she, she when I no, was gone. She yeah. did. She did. And I remember But even the after when, the discipline, I'd be like, oh, the, dad's still coming home. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially after you put the pie pan down your pants, she gave you a spanking. And that's right. It was the yeah. tang. And yeah. well, then she said, you wait till your dad comes home. <laughs>
0: No, I think most people remember at least one parent just saying, I'm going to tell, and, and you just wait. And we see that a little bit in 1 Corinthians chapter oh, 4.
1: Yeah. Well, you're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And I'll go ahead and get started here in verse 1. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now, a person who's put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. And I love that statement there. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. It's
0: beautiful humility.
1: It is. I don't know you I don't know if you remember this or not, Junior, but uh, it actually happened with both you and Erica. At one point you said, "You don't trust me." And do you remember what I said?
0: Yeah, you don't trust yourself. I said,
1: I don't trust myself. Yeah. And you shouldn't trust you either. Yeah. That's why we have safeguards. But it's so cool that Paul says, I, I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. I, I'm i not I'm not faithful. I'm, I just want to look to God for this. Yeah. But then he says in verse four, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light and reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. And I think... The point that he's making is that they were elevating up certain leaders. That the, this is the one I'm following after—Apollos or Paul or Peter—and and they're, they're saying these are the ones that they're following after. And, and Paul is saying you don't even know what's really going on in their hearts and minds and their lives. Don't make those judgments that they are. Now, listen—we just we 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 always assume the best of everybody, but. The problem is when we start elevating people in our own minds, when they fail because everybody's going to fail because they are all sinners, well, then they're knocked off this pedestal and we're destroyed. I think of yeah. a church in this area that when the leader fell, there's actually a couple of them, the leader fell, and people were just absolutely destroyed. Whereas, I mean, nobody was locked in those inside those churches. They, they weren't locked in where they had to stay. And, uh, and the, yeah. the fact of the matter is that people will fail. And yeah. so let's not put people on a pedestal and as both these guys were nearly worshiped by their parishioners. Right. And when they fell, man, it was hard.
0: And when they fall off the pedestal, who put them up there?
1: That's yeah. right. So now, that's what he's that, saying. He's saying, Hey, b- don't do that. Don't, I th- don't even put me on a pedestal. Paul
0: there is a little bit of, you know, those who can read this can, I don't know, I can kind of put you on edge a little bit. Cause it says for he, meaning God will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. So I think some people look at that and go, "Okay, so is God really going to blast all my private sins and all of that?" I mean, what would you
1: say to that? Well, what would you say? <laughs> I can answer it. I yeah, mean, the not,
0: secrets is what throws me off, but yeah. motives is really where where that. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's those things that we've kept hidden. So they've never, we've never been willing to bring it to light. We've never brought it out in in confession. Never brought it out in. The light, as John talked about that, talks about that if we walk in the light and we have fellowship with each other and we have fellowship with him, Mm -hmm. that I'm not, I don't think that every sin that we have done that we've committed in secret, though it's been confessed, is like it's, you know, I don't know, I, you know, that we're going to now be rebuked for in front of this great crowd of people, I think that what God is saying is that you think that you're getting away with something and hiding it your whole life. When the fact of the matter is I know about it and I'm not going to let this be hidden. Mm-hmm. It is going to come out. Sure. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: It does. So, but there is a little bit of that tension though, because oh, yeah. you just said that, you know, it's not going to be a secret. It's not going to necessarily blast it, but we don't necessarily know what that looks like.
1: Yeah. And if we, and as John had said, also in first John, um, uh, Uh, one that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us for those sins. I think he's talking about those sins that we're in denial of and unwilling to face.
0: Confessing to community and other people. Right, yeah. Not just to God. I
1: I, I think... You know, I think that those sins that we only confess to God, we wind up keeping yeah. keeping hidden.
0: You think about the guy who's so stuck in porn or now girls now, too, because yeah. that's rising as well, porn with women. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to go to God, oh, I'm sorry I did it again, and, you know, back later again. I'm sorry, I, you know, I, I did it again. That's what he's talking about here mm-hmm. will be brought to light.
1: Yes. Yep. Okay. Or, yeah, uh, multiple sins. It sure. could be anger, you know, uh, uh, anger within the home, blasting and... And screaming you know, yeah. at each other. I mean, you know, we, I think most people, they wind up confessing, most Christians, confessing sure. those things to God, but are you really dealing with But
0: this it? doesn't necessarily mean that there's a big, I don't want to belabor this point, but I also mm-hmm. know that this it's is important. one of the major questions I get as a pastor. Yeah. doesn't mean that there's this, you know, big jumbotron in heaven necessarily. And we, again, we don't know what it looks like, but the God's going to be like, all right, now here's Susie all alone at home. Look what she's doing you know, and, and, and then, re, you know, rake her over the coals for it. But it is a sense of when we are receiving a reward, that's when some are going to be rewarded more than others. And that's where, how, how this comes about.
1: You say? Yeah. It's the loss of reward that winds up being the most severe of judgments. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Verse six. I'll continue on then. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scripture, you won't be, Proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need. You think you already are rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us as apostles on display, like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade condemning to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. So Paul is actually saying, you know, we're already suffering the consequences of being absolute in our commitment to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we're almost like these prisoners of war, war already on display, but he's going to take care of it in the end. Yeah. You can pick up in verse 10 then.
0: this says, our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored, but we are ridiculed. Even now, we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you, so I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I followed Christ Jesus just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go.
1: And I think it's really cool the way Paul is able to say that I have been living as an example for you. That, that you can follow my example so he's been living faithfully and consistently and i i think that if if a modern day christian were to say that today we would pass judgment which is kind of what paul was arguing against we'd pass judgment saying this person's proud but i think that paul is simply being honest here by saying i i truly am following after jesus and i would love for you to follow that same example yeah
0: continues on some of you have become arrogant thinking i will not visit you again but I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For The kingdom of God is not just talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? And here we see it. Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit?
1: Oh, boy. I think that's a rhetorical question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, of course, we know how they would answer Well, he puts
0: the ball in their court. He's like, are you going to change
1: yeah, or are you going to continue? You're just going to let the kingdom of God be a lot of talk. I like that. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, but it's living. It's living by God's power. So if you're truly living in the kingdom of God, then there's going to be this change that's evident in your life that you're lifting up and honoring him and the decisions you're making and the things you're talking about. It's a great chapter.
0: Well, Psalm 90, is that right?
1: Yeah, Psalm 90. There's a... Great verse, verse 14. Do you have it in front of you? Yep. It says, you want to read 14?
0: Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love, so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives.
1: Now, this is pretty cool because, and that kind of reminds me of some of John Piper's writings about the satisfaction we find in God. Uh, um, and that we truly, that God desires for us to be happy. Our problem is we try, to, try finding happiness in so many places that aren't going to deliver. But our true happiness is only going to be found in him. And so David says here that if we satisfy ourselves in God, if he truly is our source of satisfaction, that we get our happiness by being connected with and in the in in following after and pleasing this God that we have, well, then we're going to have that satisfaction and that happiness, that joy forever.
0: Yeah. Well, I love how the psalmist writes in the morning. Yeah, this idea of like mm, seeking God in the morning because I, I, this is going to sound like such a downer, but for a lot of us can attest to this. A lot of our days are just let down to let down. <laughs> you go into work and you find out, you know, you have more work than than you thought you did, or your friend is quitting, or you's just there's a lot of letdowns during your day. But when you start your day being filled with God, those letdowns. They just don't rattle you as much. Yeah, I do have something greater.
1: And it's good. I I do have a habit of having a few things on my task list that I know I can get done early in the day because it does tend to set my day in a good trajectory, even if there's things later that I can't get completed. But I know I can get a few of these like we've talked about before, making a new bed first thing in the morning. I I know it's something I can always get done and feel good about that's completed. Having my quiet time is something I know that I can get done, but then finding that satisfaction in Jesus early on in the day, man, that's a great way to set the tone for the day. That's right.
0: Well, set the tone for the rest of your day by getting into the rest of Psalm chapter 90, and then get on your knees and and pray, connect with God, and make it a good day, and we will see you tomorrow.